0: How's it going, everybody? Aloha, and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob Demello, and joining me, former University of Hawaii player and coach Rich Miano. And coach, wow, that was something else. As the University of Hawaii football team improved a 4-1 on the season, 1-0 in the Mountain West Conference, with a 54-3 road win <laughs> at Nevada. One of the most complete football games you will ever see played. Offense, defense, special teams, we have a whole lot to talk about here, but first things first, your initial reaction, your biggest takeaway from Hawaii's 54-3
1: thumping of the Wolfpack. You said it, Rob. This was a beatdown. And when you talk about beatdown, you talk about offense, defense, special teams, which you mentioned. And when you talk about defense in the run and shoot, people need to understand in a conventional defense, you may play 50 to 70 plays. In a run and shoot defense, it may be 80 through 100. Not 8 or 10 possessions, possibly 13 to 15 possessions. To hold an opponent on the road, who has beaten Purdue to three points, the most complete defensive victory I've seen in at least a decade. You know, in the offseason, head coach Nick Rolovich started a social media
0: campaign of Phase 2, right, where everything he talked about was talking about getting this Warrior football team into Phase 2. A lot of people were asking, what's Phase 2? What does Phase 2 look like? This is what Phase 2 looks like, because you don't go and play a conference opponent. A conference opponent on the road and be able to beat them by 51 points and play that complete of a game by accident. That's not a game that, oh, that got away from the other team. This
1: is phase two, right? Yeah, and phase two started in the offseason with the best conditioning program I've seen in in many, many, many years. And then that carried over to spring, and with the... Uh, Having all nine assistant coaches back, Nick Rolovich had a staff that could teach nuances and intricacies in the offense, the defense, and the special team, and this is a good coaching staff. This is a staff that cares about the kids, and more importantly, I think the kids really are taking to this staff, taking to their coaching, and they're doing the details of their assignment, and it's a great team win. Well, we have a lot to talk about about that victory.
0: Again, 54-3 over Nevada. That's the biggest blowout loss in Mackey Stadium history For the home team. And and keep in mind, this is a stadium that is a state that Hawaii does not play well in. And especially in those temperatures, 39 degrees, it snowed in the morning. This was Hawaii's first win at Nevada since 2007 at the Nevada Wolfpack. It's their first win in the state of Nevada since 2009. Yeah, it's, as
1: much as the travel is, and it's further than anybody else in the continent travels to a football game, and then you have the inclement weather where it's 38 degrees and raining and snowing and sleet, that type of weather is the hardest weather for a warm weather a dome team to play in in Hawaii to go into that stadium and play so uh, almost perfection in terms of the aerial passing game can be affected by that you think a ground team. A ground and pound team is going to play well in that type of weather. Hawaii showed that the run and shoot can play in any weather.
0: Offense, defense, special teams, as we said, played near flawless football. And let's go over some of those disciplines. We'll start with offense because quarterback Cole McDonald, the junior from California, was named Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Week today. He went 25 of 30, 312 yards passing, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and a lot of people were wondering, what would it look like if this UH football team, especially the offense, played error-free football? If UH did not turn the ball over, what were the possibilities? Well, 54-3... to is the possibility
1: yeah and you look at uh, uh... there's no such thing as a perfect game in football but from a quarterback standpoint in terms of distributing the ball taking what the defense gives you he did go vertical enough to take the top off the defense but jason matthews sarsh having his biggest game every single target that was thrown to number three was a completion cedric bird three touchdowns you know the, all of the receivers on any given week can beat you can take it to the house and when you watch this team throw the football it's almost like pylon it's like seven on seven there's not a team in the mountain west conference that has defensive backs t- capable of locking up with these receivers and shutting this offense down when you look
0: at the last two games for cole mcdonald 50 is 62 612 yards passing eight touchdowns one interception the bows go two and We've seen it time and time again in this run-and-shoot offense when a quarterback finally sees it, when it clicks. We call it the, you know, when, when he finally figures out the matrix. Mm-hmm. You saw it with Jason Wielden back mm-hmm. in the day. You saw it with Nick Rolovich yes. in 2001 in his final games as a Rainbow Warrior. You saw it with Bryant Moniz in 2010. Is that what we're seeing with Cole McDonough right now is where when he is playing within the offense and truly understands the concepts, this is what's possible? Yeah, I
1: think the pantheon is you got to talk about Colt Brennan. Then you talk about Timmy Chang, and Bryant Moniz had a phenomenal career, and you mentioned some of the other guys as well. If Cole McDonald continues to play like he's playing, and he's capable of that, he's playing within the system, you're going to talk about the third most prolific quarterback in the history of the University of Hawaii, possibly after only two years. And if he came back for his senior year, you're talking about a guy nationally that's in, with the likes of Trevor Lawrence.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I didn't bring up Colt Brennan and Timmy Chang, because those are guys that you just saw yeah. it in a training camp that they always knew the offense, that they figured out the offense. It was a matter of putting it together. I think with those other guys that I named and with Cole, it, there seemed to be it's a growing process of can that offense click with you? And you brought up Jason Matthew Sharsh out of Muwanalua. Time and time again, you see these players out of Hawaii High School football that are very productive, and you just wonder can these guys translate that into Division One football? And in this run and shoot system, Jason Matthew Sharsh. Is a guy that has done that. Nine catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. All four starting receivers now Jason Matthew Sharsh, Jared Smart, mm-hmm. Cedric Bird, JoJo Ward have all had 100-yard receiving games. They've all had games where they
1: were the leading receiver. How big is that for this offense? It's huge. And you mentioned the local guy, the Moana Lua walk-on, who's now a captain. That guy is unbelievable. He's like Nishi Nishigai. He's like Stribling. He's like Koa Eldridge. That guy can play football in this office, offense. And when you talk about those four receivers who you just mentioned. You haven't even mentioned Melky Stovall, who may be more talented than all of those guys, and he's gonna add to this mix. And then you have guys, Kamoku Noah, Mm -hmm. and you have guys like, Jonah Pinocchi. I mean, this Chance Byer. Chance Byer. There's receivers that are going to continue this tradition. And there's quarterbacks, too, because Shevin Cordero went in, and he was 5-for-5. Five five. And then even Justin Owui. Justin Owahinui. <laughs> there you go, bro. <laughs> Justin, don't get mad at me. You play for
0: me. I shouldn't know how to pronounce your name, but good job. Well, when you look at the depth, I mean, you're talking about the receiving depth. And the quarterback depth. We've seen the offensive line depth on display because over the last three weeks, a, a different right guard in yeah. every single game and the production has been there. How big of a factor is that? I mean, and, and Hawaii's success this season being 4 and 1, 1 0 and oh in the Mountain West, how much of it is that Nick Rolovich and staff have stacked the cupboard? That this is a deep team, and that when you hear about that next man up mentality, I mean, this is truly on display. Yeah, Bubba uh,
1: comes in as a freshman and plays well. And I think that's Mark Weber. I think that's Nick Rolovich. Brian Smith, Craig Stutzman, understanding personnel and what they have and getting rid of the football early and really having a game plan where you're running the football. And Freddie Mm Hawley and Miles Bam Bam Reed both I thought played tremendous and there was no balls on the ground. There was ball security and there was that diversity in the offense, the run in the run and shoot, but it, I, it goes back to coaching, Rob. It goes back to the fact that these guys are believing in the game plan, they're believing in their coaches, and I think we're seeing something special. Yeah,
0: the running backs: Fred Holly, the third, Miles Reed, and Kili Iliki. Uh, all of them had over four and a half yards per carry and as an offensive coach I mean you would take that every single time if you can get to third and two uh... whenever you're running the football I think they'll take that so that was a big part of the production of the U.H. offense was establishing that running game Cole McDonald showed that he could hurt you with his legs so that just just creates doubt in the defense as far as okay we can't lock down Cedric and Jojo and 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 all these receivers because then the University of Hawaii can run on you. So th- that's a, a big sign as far as the evolution of this run and shoot offense here this season. All right, let's talk about the UH defense. Okay. Allowing just three points on the road against Nevada, you saw quarterback pressure you saw sure tackling, mm-hmm. you saw big tackles, yes. you saw turnovers, yes. you saw everything that you need out of a defense that is the perfect complement to an explosive offense. Uh, how impressed were you with this defense?
1: I am so impressed with Corey Batun, Abraham el Jake, Jacob Euro, Ricky Longo, that whole coaching staff, Mark Banker. They're doing a phenomenal job because when you watch... And if you're a defensive purist, you're seeing some odd fronts, some even fronts. You're seeing Kaimana Padello rush. You're seeing him drop back, play the curl flat. You're seeing inverted safeties. You're seeing multiple coverages in the back end. And I think they do enough defensively where it confuses the offense. And they play downhill with the addition of Jeremiah Pritchard. And, uh, and, and uh, Samuel Akuteo, I thought he he played a role in this defense. But all 11 guys, it's cliche, like, doing their 111th, listening to their coaches, doing the finer things in their defense. And when you watch this defense, you realize that it has the potential because there's not really superstars in this defense. It's team defense playing at the highest level. Uh, they allow just 204 yards of total offense, Fourth
0: consecutive game of a third quarter shutout, and we've been talking about that over the course of this happening. How significant is that? A third quarter shutout because that means that this team goes into the locker room, whether you're winning or losing. The defensive coordinator, Corey Batun, I imagine, gets on the whiteboard and starts making adjustments and starts telling them what can help them there in the second half based on what he saw, based on what the team saw, and then you're able to shut the door on this team. How significant is that? You're a former defensive coordinator. You're a longtime defensive backs coach. To pitch a shutout in the third quarter, because keep in mind... As you're learning, the offense is learning.
1: Exactly. How big is that? I think it's a, a sign of maturation in terms of the coaching staff and the belief in one another. And when you have a guy like Mark Banker, who's coached for 40 years. Corey Batun, that's been all over the country. Abraham Elamimium, who's a fine cornerback coach, doing a great job with the outside guys. The ability to lock it down on the outside, and now the safeties are making plays in the passing game. They're tackling well. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing a rotation of defensive linemen because Ricky Longo has got eight, nine guys that are getting reps and doing their job. I think it's a sign of great adjustments, great coaching staff, and again, it goes back to the belief in one another. When you look at one of the turnovers that was forced by the University of Hawaii, Jonah Laulu,
0: huge defensive end out of Las Vegas that uh, a lot of people are looking at as being the future of this defensive line for the University of Hawaii. For him to make a big play like that, for his confidence, for the team's confidence, I mean, do you almost kind of feel like he's the X factor at this point because the defense is playing so solid and and there, there just seems to be missing one little ingredient and I think that is a consistent pass rush For someone as big as him, to be able to be protu- productive in games mm-hmm. do you get that sense that that he's
1: almost the missing link of this defense yeah he definitely looks like a next level player and he's still learning his technique he's learning his alignments and assignments and as he continues to work with Ricky Longo if he is that guy that can apply the rush opposite of Kaimana Padello, because Kaimana is getting chipped people are game planning around uh, Kaimana he's such a great player I think he could be the missing link to this defense that really Puts, that at, puts them at another level. Six foot five, 280 pounds.
0: And speaking of Jonah Laulu and a guy that you're at, you're at training camp, you're at practice, mm-hmm. really from the beginning of August up into this point, you could say probably one of the most improved players on this football
1: team, right? One of the most improved players and one of the most impressive players, if not the most impressive players in terms of what he looks like getting off the bus. Now he's actually making plays and that's exciting for this defense. Well talking about most improved players on the Rainbow Warriors. Let's talk about
0: the 2018 most improved player award winner in Ryan Meskel. Hmm. Special teams played yeah. flawless in this one. I mean, when you're looking at kickoffs, you're looking at a blocked punt, return for a touchdown. I want to talk about that, but first, Ryan Meskel. 44 yard field goal, and that was the whole talk was he was 2 of 7 entering the game, right. but he would miss a 42, a 45, a 49, a 55. And then you got the sense of, like, okay, we know what Ryan Meskel can do. Maybe kicking a 45 plus yard field mm-hmm. goal just isn't his range and maybe you just need to go for it on fourth down in those situations but then here comes Ryan Mesko and kicks a 44-yard field goal, a, a career-long. Mm-hmm. How big was that for him? How big was that for the team?
1: It's big for both Ryan and the team, and I think it's purely psychological. We knew from last year being the most improved player, we knew the dependency on him and the belief in him by his teammates. And, you, and, you, and it never wavered this year, even though he missed field goals. The coaching staff believed in him. Michael Gobriel, the special teams coach. Nick Rolovich, the head coach. And the players would always go up to that young man and say, we got your back. Don't worry about it. You'll make the next one and that belief in that psycholo- overcoming that psychological uh kicking type of thing that it's like golf it's like anything once you get the yips it's hard to reverse that in your mind but this young man has a strong mind and they're going to need him going down the stretch and he proved himself under the most difficult circumstances on the road in clement weather
0: you know, when you look at this game, it, it was almost like a, a boxing match or an MMA match in the beginning where, it, where you saw UH kind of peppering with the jab, right? They were making stops. They were scoring on offense. And then the overhand right was the block yes. punt by Andrew Choi out of Kaiser High School, yes. returned by Justice Algaffa for a touchdown. Uh, how big was that play? And just how big, I mean, those are two guys that on special teams, those, those are, are guys that just bust their butt on the scout team, a lot of times. Justice, who was the starting kick returner at one point last season, who had to fight his way back onto the field this season. Andrew Choi is a guy who is just as gritty as they come and as funny as they come. Yeah. During practice, he keeps everyone light and, and everyone smiling. For those two guys in specific to have a big play like that, and like I said, which I truly believe was the overhand right, it was the haymaker was that just knocked Nevada out great. at that point. Uh, how big was that?
1: biggest play in a football game is a block punt. University of Hawaii tied with Auburn, 135 games without a block punt. That goes back to special teams coaches in the last 10 years. That's great snapping. That's great execution. That's great blocking. But yeah, when you talk about Andrew Choi, now here's a guy that didn't even play as senior in high school because Kaiser didn't even have a football team. Comes to the GPA camp, one of the all-stars, whatever there, walks on the University of Hawaii, follows in the footsteps of his brother, and every coach on that staff, Every player on the staff loves Andrew Choi because the effort he gives, because the smile on his face. There's a role for guys like that. And then Justice Ofaga does everything on special teams. He's the off guy on kickoff return. He's on the coverage teams. He can return punts. That guy is kind of the jack-of-all-trades, safety, running back. For those two guys, and as well as those other guys that took on the blockers, in Michael Gobriel to scheme up a block punt, the single biggest play in the football game, block punt, And Andrew Choi couldn't have happened to a better person. And then Justice taking it to the house. Biggest play, overhand right, knockout.
0: Well, we talked about it. All three phases of the game showed up for the University of Hawaii. Earlier in the show, I brought up phase two, and this is what phase two looks like. And, well, if we're going to stay on that word of phase, you would take it to phase 764 (laughs) if you were able to beat Boise State on the road. 15th ranked team in the country the perennial kings of the mountain west conference and you get two weeks to prepare for them and that blue turf again the university of hawaii on a bye week this week and then it is october 12th at boise state in a nationally televised showdown a game that i think not just hawaii and boise state fans are interested in i think with the way the university of hawaii played Mm -hmm. and the way that boise state is viewed as the king of the group of five I think a lot of people in college football are interested to see what this UH football team can do against them. And keep in mind, UH received 10 votes in the coaches poll, Mm -hmm. which puts them at 38th in the country uh, in the top 25. So uh, your first initial thoughts on the task at hand, Bose Boise
1: on the blue turf. Well, I like the fact that it's a bye week. I like the fact that these guys have won in a dominating fashion on the road against Reno. I like the fact that this coaching staff's capable of coming up with a great game plan. And if they start fast and they don't have the same type of first quarter they had against the University of Washington, there's no reason why Hawaii can't show the nation. And I agree with you. I think the nation is interested in how good is this Hawaii team and they know how good this Boise State team is. That might be one of the top ten venues in the country because of the blue turf, because of those 40,000 fans that are rabid and because of the success of Boise at home. That would be a huge statement game for Phase 746.
0: Yeah, and and if you're listening to this show, whether it's on podcast or whether you're watching at kjon 2com you're a big sports fan, and you got some time. Let's face it, you got time if you're watching this. (laughs) So if you got time, go to ESPN Plus if you're a subscriber. Watch the Boise State Marshall game. I think that'll tell you everything that you need to know as far as is, does Hawaii have a chance against the Broncos this year because that's a Marshall team that I don't think is as physical both offensively and defensively than this University of Hawaii football team and the physicality is what let Marshall into that game and Boise State ended up winning that game 14-7 to so watch that game and, and, and I think you will see I mean obviously every game is different and yeah. Boise State could come out and play yes. differently than yes. they did it's against football. Marshall it's football but with that being said When physicality is the reason as to why a a team struggles against another team, that's something you it's really hard to game plan for,
1: right? Well, yeah, that game, and I think if you even go back to the Washington game and watch the third quarter, those weren't backups. Those were guys that were being coached coming out of halftime to know that this Hawaii team had just scored on the last drive of the second quarter. You look at the physicality of the defense. They did well in that third quarter, too, and you couldn't stop Cole McDonald in that offense, when they're in rhythm, when they have the exuberance, when they have the adrenaline flow, when they have all of those things working with them. I think Hawaii can go on the road and win. I think Hawaii can win this conference, and I think if they're playing at a high level, Boise State better be playing at an extremely high level, because I think Hawaii's talented enough to beat anybody in this conference.
0: right, last thing before we start opening up the mailbox, uh, what is the main objective for this University of Hawaii football team, you think? Because obviously, we're talking about how great UH played in a 54-3 win against Nevada, and and, I mean, it was near flawless football, but with that being said, it's football. You can always get better. What do you think the biggest thing that's holding them back uh, from being the perfect football team or whatever it is that a coach may be viewing?
1: I don't know. You know, after you look at this game, it was so dominant in all three phases. It was so well coached. It was so well played. I think the only thing that these young people have to, you know, it used to be don't look at your pl- press clippings. Well, obviously, it's not no longer press clippings, yeah. but it's social media. Don't it's, look at your Instagram yeah, stories. It, huh? Yeah, and it's people telling you how great you are. Every game is a different game, a different narrative. You gotta take this bye week. You gotta take these next two weeks and work on fundamentals, tackling, blocking, getting to the next level, you know, understanding the offense better, understanding the defense better, playing hard every day, being it's all about preparation. And if they prepare well the next two weeks, they have a good chance to not only be Boise, but to be a team that's remembered in the state of Hawaii.
0: All right, well let's crack open the Bose Football Final mailbox. You can send your questions to Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N, Instagram, at Rob DeMello, and hey, maybe it might make the show. First question (laughs) is, how significant was the return of Jeremiah Pritchard to this defense, which allowed them to have the kind of game
1: they had? Jeremiah Pritchard, so physical, so instinctive. He's been compared to Pisa Tanoi Samoa. He plays downhill, and you want a middle linebacker that is a thumper. That kid is just played so much football at such a high level. To have him back, I think it, it really excites the rest of his teammates. It was a huge addition. If he continues to play the rest of the year like he's capable of, Hawaii doesn't have to worry about that inside run because he he's a thumper.
0: Arguably the best game out of Solomon Matautia this season, maybe the best game that he's played since the season finale against BYU, what was that, three years ago. Uh, is there any coincidence to that, that Jeremiah back on the field, his physicality opened the door for Solomon?
1: I think so. I think it's, it's for all 10 other guys to know that this guy is going to lay it on the line. These guys are playing injured. They're playing hurt. They're playing with great enthusiasm. And for Solomon Matotia to, to play like that, I think... It's almost like the respect of Jeremiah Pritchard runs throughout that whole defense.
0: All right, next question. This is an interesting one. Is it a bad thing to have a bye week right now after a 54-3 to win and possibly putting a halt to incredible momentum for this football team?
1: No, I don't think so. I think going on the road would have been hard two weeks in a row. yeah. yeah. I think that having these extra days, this is almost like one-third of the season to really fine-tune the fundamentals, to really understand the intricacies, the nuances, to really understand how good that this team could be and to, and to get to practice every day with great enthusiasm because the whole state is starting to jump on the hype train. Choo, choo. Well, you know, and it's
0: interesting because you, I think you hit it on the head as far as the schedule is what it is, yeah. and you don't want to play at Nevada and then at Boise yes. State the very next week. And and now, if the schedule was different, different, I would have loved to have a home game yes, after that Nevada blowout, fifty-four to three, because I think that a lot of people would come to Aloha Stadium. Yes, yes. And now, you know, there is that risk that if Hawaii goes up to Boise State and has a similar type of situation that they've had in forever uh, of losing at Boise State and in a lopsided fashion, like this program has so many times before, then there is the fear of, Uh, How many people remember 54-3 and want to come back to Aloha Stadium? Uh, But the schedule is what it is, and I think back-to-back road games would be a tough task.
1: Well, you know, the thing about football is it's it's a crazy game, right? And and if you play at a high level and the other team plays at a high level, may the best team win. I don't anticipate seeing Hawaii play like they played in the first quarter. I think that was a great learning experience. I think this whole turnover... Issue in the first three or four games was a great learning experience. One that is, was well stressed by the coaches on the field, and I think also by the players that are playing this game that how important it is to win the turnover battle. And if Hawaii continues to possess the ball offensively and take it away, especially those safeties taking the football away because those corners are locked down, I think we're witnessing a, a team defense and an explosive offense and a solid special teams.
0: Well, last question should UH learn? from past mistakes and extend
1: Nick Rolovich now. You know, I was part of the June Jones era and I say era, it was an error by Herman Frazier <laughs> by not extending June Jones's contract. And that led to, you know, a demise of this program from a fan base to a talent standpoint. And Nick Rolovich phase two right now shows the ability to recruit local players. Local players are staying home. It shows the ability to win on the road. It shows the ability to be exciting with this run and shoot offense. And the coaching staff that he has, you also have to give them raises too. Because mm-hmm. if he lost to Corey Batoon or a Craig Stutzman, or Brian Smith, or Abraham el you you would not be as good next year. So to keep this coaching staff together is part of the process of big college football. And if we wanna be a big college football program, we gotta make sure we compensate our coaches.
0: Yeah, and if now isn't the time, then when is the time? You know, through five games, two wins over Pac-12 opponents, and then you open conference play on the road with a 51-point victory. If you're the University of Hawaii, you can't ask for anything more than that. Now, you don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year. And who knows? They could go winless for the rest of the year. But with that being said, uh, this is all a process. And and, and if you're the head coach of a football team, it is building what it is that you want your program to look like. And if beating two power five teams and winning by 51 on the road (laughs) in a conference game, if that's not enough, I don't know what is. The interesting thing, though, with college coaches is that extending isn't really the name of the game. Because let's face it, Nick Rolovich is already locked up until 2022. And if he goes to a bowl game in 2019 or 2020, then it gets another year tacked on. So then he's locked into 2023. But the thing is with college coaching today is that it's not necessarily how long you have them under contract. It's making them feel appreciated. It's making them not want to venture elsewhere. And I think that's where you need to look at, okay, what is this worth to you? You You're building a new stadium. You need this team to be good in order for that to be a success. Because you could build a brand new, flashy, shiny stadium, but if no one's going to the games, that's not going to help you any. You need Nick Rolovich to want to be the head coach at the University of Hawaii for a very long time. Like I said, you don't know how this season's going to play out, but this, this is the University of Hawaii football
1: program you want. Four and one to start the year. Yeah, and I think if this continues... There's going to be Pac 12 teams. There's going to be other Power Five conference teams that not only have the money to pay Nick Rolovich well over a million dollars, but they're also going to pay the buyout and not have a problem with that as well. And there are so many teams in the Pac 12 right now looking for a young, offensive minded head coach. And you can see Hawaii's offense week in and week out. There's not a lot of answers for what they're doing. And then you see him have already put together this coaching staff that has really done a great job and not. Not just the X's and O's relating to the players recruiting players this is a coaching staff that if it was on the open market is gonna be highly sought after and if Dave Matlin does not do this and Nick Rolovich leaves we're talking June Jones all over again
0: yeah and the last thing before we close the book on this is I, I can see the comments already I can hear them in my head because you hear it time and time again whenever money is brought yes. into the, the spending on the University of Hawaii football program the one thing to keep in mind is that this school has never made more money yes. than when June Jones was on the highs of highs, right? Enrollment has never yes. been better than coming off of the Sugar Bowl Endowments season. Endowments have probably exactly. never been better. And that is what you get. That is what a football program at every college is, is that it is the welcome mat to uh, yes. a university. No, there's, no, there's no discipline within a school that is as visible as a football team yes. at a college. And so when you have a winning football team at a university, everybody benefits.
1: Yeah, and you can't really measure some of the intangibles, and you can measure some, but as Rob was saying, it's so important for this program, to, for the public to recognize that even though there are 19 or so non-revenue-producing sports, football does make money and if football doesn't make money then it really affects gender equity really affects the non-revenue producing sports it affects the mood of the state of hawaii it's amazing what a great football program will do for this state and nick rolovich right now has it headed in the right direction so whenever we talk about compensation i know there's so many other issues in this great state but this should not be an issue because we need to have a great college football program for the rest of this athletic program to really be as special as it is. Well, Bose football
0: fans bask in the glory of 54-3 on the road to start Mountain West Conference play. Again, Rainbow Warriors are 4-1, 1-0 and in the Mountain West. They have this week off to prepare for Boise State, and that game will take place on October 12th. That is next Saturday on the blue turf against the Broncos, ranked 15th in the country, undefeated. It's going to be a lot of fun here talking over the next couple of weeks about what the possibilities will Mm be, about how this team can even get better from 54 to 3. Rich Miano, thanks a lot for joining us again here today on Bose Football Final. You can catch BFF every Monday at khon2.com and also available on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. That will be available on Tuesdays. So, watch Bose Football Final at khon2.com on Mondays. You can listen to it on Tuesdays. We'll catch you every Monday here at Bose Football Final. Have a BFF. good day.
1: BFF. Aloha.